0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to RealPod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick-Brown, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. everybody and welcome back to real pod. I am hyped about today's conversation and topic because I've been wanting to talk about career and strategy and marketing for a while now. There's so much that goes into what I do behind the scenes and it really is a business and there's teams both external and internal and there's a lot of thought and intention going into things that maybe on the other side seem more casual or just like classic content creator things when really there's so much and I love to talk about it. And I'm sure you guys have heard me anytime career stuff comes up or entrepreneurship stuff comes up. I just rave about how much I love getting into it. And so having our special guest today is so exciting for me because I feel like we're just going to kick off hopefully many more conversations just like this on Real Pod. And before I introduce our amazing guest, and I'm sure you saw the title and you're super excited, as you should, because she is just the coolest, best, best person. I wanted to share some of my unsolicited, super quick, high-level thoughts about career in general that no one asked for, but that I'm going to give. And I think. The main thing that I want to harp on before we get into this hopefully inspiring and motivating conversation about career trajectory and kind of figuring out what you want to do and um, excelling at it is really just having passion for what you're pursuing. And I was actually back at USC, my alma mater, last night, and I was with some of the beach volleyball athletes. And, you know, of course, when you're a senior, there's that dreaded question, like, what do you want to do with your life or when you get older? And even if you're out working now and college is far behind you, you might still be feeling like I don't know what I want to do and I think there's one pressure to feel like I need to know exactly what I'm doing or this first job that I have or this next job that I have is my forever job and that's not the case and I know that I'm speaking from a weird place because I didn't have that experience and I went right into entrepreneurship but what I've done has evolved so many times I went from literally like just being a public speaker to feeling like I was just a TikToker to now feeling like I am a multi hyphenate and I have different things going on. And, you know, I have a full time employee, which is really exciting for me because now it feels like there's a business and there's a team and every company starts with that first hire. Right. And then you keep building. And what I'm trying to say is it's okay to keep trying and to keep pivoting to find what's going to light you up. And it can be as simple as, do you like to be around people, or do you not want to talk to anyone? You know, And then if you answer that question, you're like, OK, then I do want to sit on a desk, and I want a private office, and that's the environment I want to be in, or. I need to be social, I need to work with others. Or I'm a creative, or I like Excel spreadsheets. Couldn't be me, an Excel spreadsheet sends panic down my entire body. I'm much more creative, I love filming, I love making videos. I majored in journalism. I'm not writing and reporting stories, but I'm writing and editing captions and I'm trying to write and put words together in a way that is impactful for others, which is kind of very similar to the way that I wrote stories about the different cities in Los Angeles or current events when I was reading and reporting and I thought I'd be a broadcaster. So making sure that you give yourself the permission to pursue something that lights you up is The most important thing because nothing like hurts my heart more than when people just don't love what they do every single day of their life and i know it's a privilege to be able to pursue something that brings you joy but i really do think it's possible to find that no matter where you're at in life and then the second thing that i'll say is Just giving yourself grace throughout the journey. For me, what that looks like is I don't know how to be a great boss. I put the pressure on myself if I have to handle every conversation correctly. I have to be communicative and a good leader. But being a leader in the business world feels so different than it does in the sports volleyball world, like it's funny, everyone would kind of say, oh, if you know how to lead on a sports team, you're gonna be able to lead. I mean, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I've found that it's very different because it's not just like leading by physical example. So all that to say, I'm trying to give myself grace of like, What are the books I can read? What are the conversations I can have? You know, even our guest today, I asked her this question, like, how do you be a good boss? Because those are things I don't know, even though I'm doing that in a way. So whether you're in a new job or you've accepted a new role at your company or you're going and switching departments, everyone has to start from somewhere. And I think there's power in embracing the asking questions and the curiousness as opposed to pretending you already know how things are supposed to roll. I tell anyone who I work with in any capacity, like you'll never annoy me if you ask questions, ask, ask, ask questions. I think the most uncomfortable work environments are when you don't know what's going on and you feel like you can't speak up or have that openness. I mean, that's just a little from me on business. I probably want to do a solo episode and think more about the stuff I have to say, but like reaching out, asking questions is everything. And I really love the way that our guest today shows up for the people and the women out there, especially who are trying to build their personal brands and figure out who they want to be in a business setting. And so if you enjoy this interview and our guest today. Be sure to find her on all social media and join her Geneva because she is constantly sharing advice and words of wisdom. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest today. It is Katie Welch. She is the chief marketing officer of Rare Beauty. That's right. Selena Gomez appointed Katie Welch to be the CMO of of her makeup company. This is such a badass position and job and As a fan and consumer, I love the way that Rare Beauty does everything. Their marketing, their messaging. This is a company that's so rooted in impact and has a purpose. Katie has been navigating the beauty marketing industry for over two decades. She's worked with iconic brands like Victoria's Secret, Bliss, and The Honest Company. And Katie just has so much experience in what goes on behind the scenes to truly build and market a successful business. Let's dive into this episode and get your notepads ready, okay? Because we're going to be learning a lot with the one and only Katie Welch. Katie Welch, welcome to RealPod. I'm so excited to have you on the show. And I feel, I mean, we're friends.
1: I know. This is really funny to sit across from you.
0: (laughs) I just love your personality. Like, you're such a light. You're such a ray. And we always just have these amazing conversations. And so it's time we put one on record. Oh, man.
1: Pressure's on. Yeah. But how many times have you said to me, oh, I wish we were recording that?
0: No, me. Like, I should be taking notes every time we talk.
1: Well, right back at you. I say the same thing about you. How was your day? Like, let's just do a little catch up. Day was good. What did I do today? Meetings. You know, I'm still a corporate gal. So I had a handful of meetings this morning, some Zooms. So I oversee all of the marketing of Rare Beauty. And so that includes brand marketing, consumer marketing, creative, social impact, public relations and influencer marketing, copy. Is that it? I think that might be it. Oh, within consumer marketing is social, community. So I had meetings with some form of all of that. Which is like insane. I mean, it's unreal.
0: I mean, Rare Beauty, what you guys are doing, like, and you, speaking of like all these things you have to oversee... I mean, it's unreal. The uh, marketing, yes. the
1: verbiage, the mission, Thanks. the impact. I Thanks. mean, insane. Thanks. its I can 100% say this. It's not BS. It is truly a team effort. I started in August of 2019 and helped Selena as well as the rest of the, the team members who were there, some of the executive team, helped to start the brand, build the brand, write the mission, vision, values. And then we launched in September of 2020. So we'll be on our third anniversary this September. Then we've built the brand, the, the team has built, has grown that much.
0: It's so important that you you were a part of that core, I think. And you guys set the tone of like, what is this going to be before building it out? Because yeah. I can imagine, you know, in your experience in your career, like it's so much harder to come into something when it's already going and like kind of you know, re go through the roots. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I guess it depends like anything on your strengths and what you what you love to do. And I love to storytell, create things, create brands, create big ideas. And then so when I had the opportunity to join the team and I thought about, my gosh, I could have the opportunity to help start this brand with Selena Gomez. And after meeting her and hearing her why of why she wanted to start Rare Beauty, I mean, it was a no-brainer because I thought, what a wonderful team, what an incredible group of people, what a mission that she wants to do. She knew she wanted to create a beauty brand, something that was bigger than beauty and use her platform for good and then at the same time destigmatize anything around mental health and so have a positive impact in mental health. And so to have the opportunity to help her string that all together and bring it to life felt like a no-brainer. And so were
0: you in search of a job at that point or were you poached? No, I
1: was poached.
0: Ooh, tea. (laughs) I mean, I think this is juicy because there's people all the time who are in careers and I don't know, they like it. Maybe they want to do that, but at a different company. I mean, what were you feeling at the time and what did it take for you to leave?
1: That's a great question. So I was very happy. I was at The Honest Company at Honest Beauty. And that's a beautiful brand, incredible founder, such a great vision, mission. All of the vision and mission had been locked. And so we were doing really great, exciting, fun product launches. But I'd never in my career been able to say, "Okay, this is from scratch. I think I loved the Honest Company's brand, mission and vision so much that it made me excited about, huh, I wonder what else we could do what I could do in that space if I could have an impact that way. So I met the CEO that Selena hired a partner with for Rare Beauty and he said, well this is kind of a funny story. So I met him at an event and he came up to me and he said, "Katie Welch, I emailed you and you didn't write me back." And I was like, "Oh god, who are you? I didn't know who he was." And I said, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Who are you?" With all due respect, because I didn't know Rare Beauty wasn't public, and he couldn't tell me. And he said, well, I'm working on a project. I'd love to talk to you about it. And I said, oh, okay. What is it? And he's like, well, I can't tell you. You probably had to sign an NDA. I had to sign an NDA and everything. So we we happened to have been in New York, and we were, as luck would have it, lo and behold, we were on the same flight from New York to LA. So we sat next to each other on the plane, and he didn't tell me what it was exactly, but sort of hinted at the creation of something and said, when we're back in L.A., I'd love to send you an NDA and then to meet with you again in person. And then I did that. And then the rest is history. How baller that you <laughs> were sought out for the work that you Aww. were doing and the genius that you have. I want to know, like,
0: how did you become a marketing mastermind? Was this were you marketing oh things gosh. on the playground when
1: you were in middle <laughs> school?
0: And also kind it of. interests me as well, because marketing is
1: a huge aspect of what I do. Yeah. First, thank you. That's so kind of you to say. I'll also say this. I've been doing it for a long time. (laughs) You know, I started working in 1999. So nothing happens overnight. As everyone continues to grow their career, they will also, with that, hopefully grow their personal reputation and their personal brand. And hopefully you have the opportunity to work on projects, brands, experiences, things that can help build that reputation so that people say, oh, that's cool. Who did that? You know, and I think thankfully I've had opportunities to be able to do those things where I've worked hard or I've had the ideas to be able to show that I can do it. But a lot of people can, and I think also you get jobs based on fit with the the, the teams. I always think when I'm hiring a team member, people always ask Katie, "What is the skill set, or what are you looking for when you hire? Like, what do you what's the skill set that you have to have?" And and there's not one answer because when you're hiring a team, it's like you're running an orchestra, and Each individual plays a different instrument, has a different role. So it's not, you can't hire a team of the same type of person or people or skill set. You have to have different skill sets that complement the total team. So I think to Selena and Scott's point, I think had a skill set that complemented the existing sort of leadership team members that were already on board. So I think I have had had, thankfully, a proven track record, plus then I was a fit amongst the team. So I'm grateful. And what about
0: your learning of marketing? and the How did I and learn it? Totally. Becoming better. And did you have a mentor in? What were your first marketing jobs? Yeah.
1: So I have a non-traditional path in marketing. And I think what's cool about marketing today in 2023, almost 24, is that it's it's so different than the way it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you had to push out a message and we would do things like, OK, here's a consumer profile and her name is Victoria and she's in her mid 20s. So and it was this sort of like, you know, very flat sort of two dimensional profile of, of one individual. And then you would buy media against it based on that profiles, psychographics or media habits. So you're like, OK, we've got an advertisement and we'll run something on the Today Show and good housekeeping in a newspaper. And it was kind of I don't know, maybe a little formulaic, perhaps, perhaps. But now it's so based on storytelling. And you just think about all of the media or the things that you consume throughout the day, all of the messages that come at you. So, a marketer has to think about okay, how do I deliver a message about my whatever it is brand, product, project, mission, anything, organization? I have to be able to reach that person in all of these places in a message that works. That not only speaks to whatever my objective is, but also like works on that platform. So like it has to resonate on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. If you have a presence there, maybe you want to do an out of home, a direct mail piece. So many things. There's so many options. So today, the most important thing I think is to understand your why, your product point of difference, and then how do you storytell that in a creative way that reaches your target audience or your community and then it's sort of native to each of those platforms. And it's, it requires creativity if you're
0: going to be traveling and looking for a great place to stay, look no further than Weston. Weston hotels make it possible for you to keep up with your wellness routine while traveling. They have signature offers, like a variety of fitness options. So if you're trying to keep working out on the road, you can get that in. I know for me, I've got a really good physical fitness routine in person at home right now. But when I go on the road, that's often where I'm not moving my body as much as I would like to or that my body would like to be moving. So just knowing that at Weston, they have so many different fitness options to help you no matter what your wellness routine is, is amazing. And they have state-of-the-art equipment in their Weston workout fitness studios. They also have three and five mile scenic running maps, making it easy for you to find the best route to explore on foot. I always need to go out for fresh air on a walk, no matter what hotel or where I'm staying just to get out of the room and like out of whatever I'm doing on the trip. So I would for sure be getting this run map if I was staying at Weston, but I wouldn't run it. I'd probably walk it. Let's be real. But still the map would be clutch. Not to mention customize your workout while on the go with the hyper ice and Bala products to borrow during your stay. I mean, hyper ice. Wow. The former athlete in me is like big hyper ice fan. Find wellness on your next day at Weston because at Weston Hotels, there's amenities and offerings aimed to help you move well and sleep well so you can keep your well
1: being close while away. Find wellness on your next day at Weston. How did I learn? We can go back to that because I don't have a formal marketing degree and I didn't actually get a, a marketing title until 2010. I was VP of Integrated Marketing at Bliss, but we can talk about how I, how I worked my way up there. When I was at Bliss, I had the opportunity to go on QVC and I sold product on air because my boss at the time said, we don't have anyone else to do this. Will you do this? Or it was more like, you have to do this. Right. So fast forward, I'm waxing my arms on live TV. I because, this footage, <laughs> Katie Welch. Where <laughs> because, is this? Well, who knows? 2010. That was a long time ago. So we were selling, you know, Bliss. they have a, an at-home waxing kit and... <laughs> and I was I haven't talked about this in so long and I was waxing my which arm I, on live TV by the
0: way which I've done I was very insecure about having hairy arms growing up I used to bleach it
1: bleach them actually oh and now I just embrace it yeah it's you should I mean the only reason I was doing that because it's a it's a safe body part for TV
0: <laughs> and it was easy
1: to demo but to be able to go on QVC you have to go through school they, they train you to go on air interesting fascinating group of people. Anyway, the guy who was training me said, okay, I need two people who can sell this paper cup. It was a paper cup to me. And we'll see how well you do. And of course, I like sat on my hand. I didn't raise my hand. I'm not going to do it. But I watched some people in the class do it. And they said, here's my paper cup. I I love it. You can put pencils in it. You can poke holes in it. You can put it in the microwave. You can put so many things in it. It's great. It's the most versatile cup. And I was like, oh, my God, she was great. She didn't say that was perfect. And, And the teacher said, okay. You did an okay job. And I thought, oh no. I thought that was great. <laughs> and he said, Let me tell you about this cup. This cup, this is the cup where you had the last cup of coffee before your son went off to war. This cup, this is the cup where you toasted your daughter at her wedding with champagne. This cup, and he kept store, and you're like, oh my God, I need that, I need that paper cup. Wow. But you get it. I mean, yeah, the point exactly. is the storytelling. That's the example I had in my mind. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. And for QVC, they, they used to call it you have to get the person out of the kitchen to come to the TV. So the point being, and that's where I first learned like, wow, storytelling. So of course, you have to talk about the cup and all of its features and benefits. But really, how does that cup make you feel? Yes. I can't believe we're talking. About that. No, but that is that that's sort that's, of an interesting thing. of marketing that you can put yes. into play today with all of the different social channels and all the ways to market something.
0: Definitely. And I you think know. I resonate with that in just building my own brand. Oh, it's yeah. Weird because I don't know. I had to wear so many hats because I'm the person who experienced the story that I tell in my TED talk. That's me. But I'm also telling it in a way that's captivating. I gave an an opening monologue where I purposely used the verbiage, you have to go to a team lift. You have to wake up at 6 a.m. Like I'm selling it in a way because I'm putting those people watching this TED talk in the shoes of how I felt so that they could then buy into what I'm saying because momentarily they felt what I felt. But it's not like I know this masterful thing. You just, there is a way to deliver a message and like really elicit more connection between the audience with me. And I think there's a different way I could have delivered the talk and maybe not had the same impact. And so it is very powerful the way that we talk about whether it's a cup, whether it's a story, whether it's a
1: makeup product. I mean, the whole thing fascinates me. It's all engagement. You just want to engage with people. I mean, even in your own personal social media, just think about how many things we have flying in our, like our attention span. That's what's hard to capture. So how is marketing
0: relevant for everyone? Because there are people who this isn't their career, this isn't their profession, but wouldn't you argue that marketing touches all?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. The The cover of Harvard Business Review this month is all about personal branding. And I think so many people would sort of roll their eyes about, oh, per- personal branding, what What do you mean? But I think what their point of saying and the fact that it's on the cover of HB are, is that everyone sort of has to market themselves. It's just how you show up in a meeting, how you could be perceived, so that you might think something, but you may not know what, whether it's the words you're using or or how your 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 posture, how you walk into a room, what you share on social media, all of that could impact someone's view of you, whether you care or you don't. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's just well, how would you like to show up, and just being aware of that, and then choosing to do with that what you will. And so it is like that's where marketing sort of is everywhere in in the fact that you can market yourself. And I think the other thing that's cool is because we all sort of have a a platform with social. If you care about something, if you want to speak up, if you want to have a voice, you have that opportunity. And in that regard, everyone is an influencer. And if it's something that you really care passionately about a certain cause or a political movement or anything, you could impact, you can influence one person in your friend or family group. And that's potentially powerful. If you care about something so much, think about how you could get someone else to care about that as well.
0: Right. And when did you feel like you were at a place where you thought you had a pulse on this that was different than other people and that you started to believe in yourself and, oh, if I worked here, put me in coach and yeah. I would know how to make this great.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I started... I spent a a good chunk of my early career on the PR agency side, and I worked at a PR agency called Weber Shandwick, and it's one of the world's largest PR agencies. And I had the opportunity to work very closely with some of their senior leaders, Gail Hyman, Susan Howe, and these really wonderful women who we would do new business pitches. So we would go into these large companies like Walmart or Best Buy and Yahoo and pitch these big, grand ideas. And I I would watch sort of how they would pull these ideas together and how they would pitch the business. And I most of the time was brought in to have some sort of idea or pitch a concept around a a fashion or beauty vertical, because that's always been my specialty throughout my career. What I did at that time, I took advantage of being in those rooms and being at those presentations. And I really paid attention to how these people thought and how they approached business problems with marketing with communications. And then I would have to come up with the ideas myself. Going through that activity and going through that work, you start to see your strengths. And I think like anything in your job, especially in your early career, in your early 20s, early 30s, honestly, anytime, you're always trying to figure out what am I good at? What am I going to want to do? And most likely you're going to want to do what you're good at. And I found that those times when I'm really in flow state, like you lose track of time. You're just typing away. The ideas are flowing or whatever it is. It may not be ideas for me. Maybe some, for some others, it's Excel sheets and numbers. But when you really get into that, you're hyper-focused. You're not tempted to go look at your Instagram or your TikTok. Those are the things that you're probably really great at. And so I in those times when I was working closely with those teams, coming up with these ideas, I knew that this is where I wanted to spend my career. And I didn't quite know that I would end up here. And then there was one moment where I was pitching the Burt's Bees business and I helped them build the campaign for the natural standard, which was around 2006. And I remember getting up at like five o'clock in the morning and just opening up my PowerPoint and typing away because I would wake up with these ideas. And that probably was the moment that I was like, holy shit, I love doing this because I don't get up that early. You know, that's <laughs> early. So like you start to pay attention in your day-to-day life of like, when are those moments when you have those moments of sort of great flow state and the work, because it's still work, but when the work comes easy, that's usually an indication of like, okay, that's the path you should go down. Yeah, it's bringing up a lot for me because I, I feel like I frequently feel that with what I do, which is such a blessing to love it so much. With Rare, It's still a job, though, too. Yeah, You know, like I think there's no such thing as the perfect job where you're going to wake up every day and be like, yes, I can't wait to go. <laughs> like it's still life that has its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. But what I found is the, the places where you really you kind of have to be this active participant in your career and just pay attention to everything around you. Because even the shitty situations or situations you're like, I don't think I like that person. But like, find out what what they're doing, why they're doing it, and just be really observant. Because it's going to impact you one day. I'm still thinking about how
0: you were poached and then (laughs) you're brought in and it's Uh this... Big celebrity and Selena. Mm-hmm. So when you realize this is what you want to do, like as a businesswoman who has an incredible resume and knows her worth, what do you think are the biggest, most important things as a boss? I'm just so fascinated with all of this because I I want to head that way in my life and career.
1: First of all, I I know that I have to work every single day to be a good boss and a good manager. By no means would I say that I'm perfect. Oh my gosh, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And I learn from my team every single day. But what I found the most important thing is to make sure that your team understands their deliverables and their responsibilities. And then with that, their plan for growth. And the plan for growth, especially at a startup, isn't always so clear cut. I mean, I think in some, maybe more corporate organizations, it's very clear. But I, I think as long as people understand their deliverables, their plan for growth, and that they're contributing... Every single job is contributing, but sometimes you might feel like, oh my goodness, I am doing the, what feels like it's making the smallest impact. You know, maybe you're sorting files or what have you, and it might be so frustrating. But I think the thing is, I think bosses have to remember that we've all been there. And so I try to take the time and explain why that. Sorting of the files or whatever the task is, is important in the grand scheme. Because I remember I worked at one of my first jobs. I was a coordinator, a PR coordinator at Victoria's Secret Beauty 23 years ago, mm-hmm. 23 years ago. And I remember stuffing PR. There were still PR boxes back then, but they, this time they were going to to magazine editors, which they still go to now, it's just, in, you know, there were no sort of content creators. And I remember just having all of these feathers and marabou feathers and ornaments and all this stuff that we were stuffing in these bags and it was just hell (laughs) at least i thought it was hell i was you know i was like oh my god i went to college for this i can't believe this is what i'm doing because you don't know at 22 or whatever age i was i didn't know and then the creative director i remember she came over to my desk and she was inspecting every single one and was like no this isn't right this isn't right and i was like are you kidding me it's just a box." but what she didn't do was explain to me of like, this is a walking ad that is going to walk into Vogue magazine and sit on Sarah Brown's desk. She was the beauty director of the time. We need to make sure that she gets exactly the message that we want it to deliver right. on behalf of Victoria's Secret Beauty. And it's important. And it's like if she were to have explained, OK, this is actually a piece of the brand. Let me explain to you why these marabou feathers are important, because it ties back to you know, whatever the love spell <laughs> or whatever Père Glace fragrance was or something, how it all tied back together to the greater marketing plan or the greater greater product point of difference. It makes you think like, okay, I will take a little extra five minutes to like judge the feathers of the PR box. So I think it's important as a boss to explain why everyone's doing something. So you really feel like you're contributing because no one wants to go to their job every day and just feel like, oh, I'm not valued. Every job is valued. The job wouldn't be there if it wasn't valued.
0: Yeah, I definitely think, you know, it's important because yeah. I think we think in our heads, oh, this person's doing such a great job. So I don't need to say anything. But no, that's when you should say something because they don't know that in your head you're thinking, Oh, they're doing such a great job, I don't have to worry about them.
1: That's hard. I I agree. It's hard. So, so you need to yeah, to vocalize
0: it is so important. And then when you're also receiving positive affirmations, it means the world. As we talk about, you know, what you needed and if you were building out the team, like were you deciding the original campaign images for what Rare would look like? Were you involved in the packaging of, you know, I think the Rare packaging sticks out. I didn't the do the packaging. Signature magenta
1: color. Yeah, that that wasn't me. The, the, the head of product development worked on all of, the, all of that. So but, then, but the campaign, yes, the visuals. So yeah. So then what's the difference, I guess, for me? like, Because I feel like marketing becomes everything. Yeah. It's the look. It's honestly, it's different at every single company. And at Rare Beauty, this is just the structure that happens to be the the head. There's a chief product development officer, chief marketing officer, chief sales officer, chief digital officer who oversees e-com. And so we all sort of own our own channel. and We partner very closely together.
0: What's an example of a project or something that we saw as consumers Uh that was your department?
1: Oh, well, so product development will create the product, the packaging, the formula, obviously, the, the secondary packaging. And and basically marketing will take it and bring it to the shelf and bring it to life. So the product is done, they brief us, Then we come up with what is a, so for instance, with our recent Soft Pinch Tinted Lip Oils, we came up with a creative platform, a marketing platform, that was called Alive With Color. And then so everything, that whole campaign was sort of, the brief was, I had to elicit that feeling of fun and excitement and really just that Alive With Color vibe. So with that, then creative went and shot the campaign and it was Selena in a like magenta shirt with a pink background and everything. And her, her facial expressions were super fun and elicited like the super positive energy. So the creative campaign, you know, sort of had that feeling. Then from the creative campaign, we brief all of the different assets. So everything that you see at Sephora, those visuals on the gondola, the visuals in the window, any sort of digital ads, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. Then we also did a pop-up space within the Sephora Times Square, that whole thing. That was in partnership with the sales team who does our visual merchandising, the PR boxes, the PR event. You all slayed, social content. You slayed this because I wanted those lip oils. Yeah. I was literally coming home
0: from vacation. I was hoping. You didn't get them. No, you I, got did, them. I, did, okay. I did. I did. I did. But I was out of town and I was thinking, oh my God, I hope Rare sent me the lip oils because yeah. they they literally, that the marketing was amazing. Like I wanted them you know, it, yeah. to the first point of like how great marketing can do that. So obviously people are curious, you know, how often are you talking with Selena? How involved is she in like, cause she has so many things going on. Yeah. She has to delegate, find these people she yes. trusts and thinks are smart. And yes. then she, she can't approve everything. She wouldn't be able to be in these
1: shows and to be creating music. So what's the working relationship like? It's, she's awesome. She's the real deal. So we, she worked really closely with Joyce on product development So and Joyce is our chief product development officer and she was at the summit, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She She had the glasses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get a chance to meet her? I didn't. But I saw, you know, I listened to our panel. She was so great. Oh, she is wonderful and super talented. My goodness. And funny. So the Joyce and Cell work really closely together on product and product development and the look and feel and like so all of product. And then I work closely with Selena on the creative concept, then how we bring it to market, any social activations, the shoots, because she's in all of the key visuals. So we work closely together on that. And then she works very closely with the social impact team for Rare Impact. And that is on my team as well. This episode is sponsored by Byte. I don't know about you, but
0: the glooby globby globs of blue toothpaste in my sink, just at the end of a long day and you look down and the toothpaste is there, it's not ideal. And, you know, Max is great in so many ways, but he's hardly reaching in there and wiping up the toothpaste. So how do we avoid this at all costs? Well, that's why I love Bite. Bite makes dry toothpaste tablets made with ingredients that are sulfate-free, palm oil-free, glycerin-free, and so convenient. You just pop a bit in your mouth, chew it up, and start brushing. It will turn into a paste, just like you're used to, but without plastic, which is great for the environment, and none of that messiness in the sink that I was talking about. Not only is using Bite toothpaste bits so easy, but they also come in refillable glass jars. And they send refills and compostable pouches. They also make plastic-free alternatives for like everything in your bathroom from toothpaste, mouthwash, toothbrushes, and deodorant. And the glass bottles, they're like really cute. And if you're an aesthetic person and you just, you know, care about how your bathroom looks, it really elevates your shelfie game. Byte is offering RealPod listeners 20% off your first order. Go to trybitecom slash realpod or use code realpod at checkout to claim this deal. That's trybyte. T-R-Y-B-I-T-E dot com slash real pod, com slash real pod for 20% off your first order. Were you a fan before being a part of Rare? Of course, yeah. Okay, so what is it like for you to work with someone or just anyone who, you know, is regarded as such a high status celebrity? So there's this weird aspect of like, like I could imagine if I was working with, even sometimes when I do on a totally different level, that's not Selena Gomez, but you know, influencers or creators and we collaborate. And I'm thinking like, you know, how cool is this person? I've watched their stuff and I'm a fan. But then also I'm
1: like, no, I think we should do it this way. Oh, yeah. Okay. First of all, she's so kind. And I really trust her opinion and I trust her point of view. So if she disagrees with something, you know, I think when you work in a founder brand, what's cool is that you have to trust your founder's point of view and like really understand where they're coming from, because that's where the magic lies. So I barely disagree with her. I guess I meant more so. Like, is there a dynamic
0: where you feel like you might act differently than if you were with an average oh. show founder on oh, oh, the oh. street?
1: No. Okay. So the first time I met, first of all, she doesn't. She's the kindest. She's like disarmingly kind. She's so kind <laughs> and sweet and good. normal. She's just normal. Yeah. That you, you, you sort of forget she had. She is this huge celebrity because. She talks to you like you've known her like you feel like when I the first time I met her I felt like I've known her forever like she uh-huh. hugged me right away. So it kind of you don't realize that because it, everything just seems so normal. But then we were in Milan which was really wa- cool and really fun. She did a store appearance at a Sephora in Milan and the crowds of people, I've never seen anything like it. They were all gathered outside the store. There were people as far as the eye could see. And then when she got out there, I mean, the crowds, they just went wild. And then everyone started singing Who Says. It was the most touching. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, oh my God, she cried. I cried. We were all just like, oh my God, like her eyes welled with tears. And it's moments like that when you realize, oh my gosh, wow.
0: Yeah. Because you, you're probably at a place of friend, colleague, yeah. and then you're
1: like, oh my gosh, wait, back to Megastar. Well, and it's just, it's it's this, she has this superpower where she sees people and she connects with people and she hears people. And then so I think that's why people come out to see her and they, they love her so much because she does have this superpower that she connects and, and you can just see like her face just lights up when she gets to meet people, when she just loves meeting people.
0: Yeah. No, I, I believe it.
1: And all of what you're saying
0: about her personality, I feel like comes through and yeah, the brand is so tied to this mission, but we are in this day and age where like everyone is looking for everything to nitpick everything to say, this is a problem. So how do you guys continue to evolve and push boundaries without fear of, I don't know, like public backlash? Like what are the things you're going through on the back end to make sure you're checked in every department? Because I feel like we've seen beauty brands miss the
1: mark. I mean, you can just do only, you, all you can do is the best you can do, like any, in any situation. So you just show up and you just try and you try and think through every possible thing, but we're all human you never know. So knock on wood, hopefully nothing bad ever happens, but you just try and think through every possible scenario. And, and I think one of the really good things about the team at Rare Beauty is that we all really honestly, truly partner and we collab on everything. Like I talk to my peers and my colleagues all the time (laughs) and that it really helps. And I think I've been in other companies where it's, you sort of just do your own thing and you stay in your own lane. And without those partnerships, you have less of a, of a safety net and not a safety net that it's a a reassurance that nothing bad would ever happen but at least you feel like I tried to cross all my T's and dot all my I's and like I got as many points of view as possible
0: and have a team culture
1: where you're all working together and not like you know that that has to help
0: everything when everyone's aligned have you had instances and I'm sure you've had where you've realized someone's not a good fit and then you have to have that tough conversation I mean what does it have to take to get you to a point where you realize this isn't working
1: yeah most likely, if it's not working for you, it's probably not working for them either. And then so hopefully, if there is a need for a break, it sends both parties on the right path.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Has to be tough. You're so bubbly and nice and kind. It's hard for me to even imagine you in a conversation where someone's asking you for a raise or you're letting someone go. How does your personality <laughs> switch in those dynamics? I like to ask my team. I mean, I think there's probably instances where they're like, Oh yeah. Like you're like,
1: you can be, you can lay the camera down.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Katie, I need the oh, side of you.
1: Okay. There is one instance I remember. And you can talk to, I have a, a couple of people. This is our second or third company together on my team. And I remember <laughs> and did you bring them with you when you left? Well, one I brought to, well, they had already left. So two people we'd worked together at Hourglass Cosmetics. Then they both had resigned while I was still there. They left me and then went to other companies. And then when I joined the Honest Company, I hired one. And, went, and then I left and then I, I hired her away from Honest. Oops. And then the other person had already been. But so, I think
0: the story there is when you find a gem, you find a gem and you want to keep a gem, which I respect.
1: Well, we just work well together. Yeah. I, well, and also I was building the team and I sort of understood their their strengths and how their strengths would complement the rest of the team and how they could help bring this to life. So it was I had the advantage. I mean, I think that is the advantage too. And I, I think that's for all of us, everyone, as you're going through your career, maintain relationships. You never know what could come from someone else. And it, it could be a peer. It could be someone in a different department. It could be someone, it could be your boss. You you never know where that job could come from or that connection could come from. But we, so, so we were all working together at, a, it wasn't Rare Beauty, a different company. And we were working on a project and I, and I think it's lessons on both. I think as a, as a boss at the time, I probably, I don't think I communicated fully enough my expectations. I had in my brain a really exciting big moment. We we were making a big announcement as for the brand. And I, I saw this as a sort of stake in the ground, big moment for this brand to make a difference. And the team maybe didn't see it as large as I did. And I think they still remember to that day where I was, I don't know. I, I think I was just very frustrated. Like team, this is a really big opportunity and we're missing the mark if we don't get our shit in gear basically but since then you know I think I've learned about messaging the deliverables hopefully better and but every day you learn as bit to being a boss but I'm because they still to this day they're like remember that day when Katie got mad oh my gosh because yeah, you don't. don't really get mad or because it was uncalled for no because I think they were like "Ooh, this is bit this Katie means this, yeah this.
0: well you kind of remind <laughs> me of that like parent that like is so disappointed. Yes. When you drop the disappointed bomb and then it like it just it goes into them.
1: I anyway, I but but then I put it back on myself because I probably along I should have communicated better. You know, I think there's everything is a learning lesson for everyone all the time.
0: But I say it, Katie, because I feel really seen in a lot of your bubbly energy and your warmth and you know, for me to see someone with what I think is a similar aura, yeah. you know, make so many amazing boss moves. Like it's inspiring and assuring for me because sometimes I fear that do I, do I not have enough bite? Like, you know, I think uh, as women, you hear all the time, like you're not getting paid enough or you're not negotiating or you're missing yeah. out on this opportunity. And I th- sometimes think I have let people take an advantage of me in the past and I think it's because I just, I lean on this, seeing the good in everyone and trusting everyone has great intentions when not everyone does. So yeah. it's for someone who I think is similar to me in that vein mm-hmm. to then be so successful, it helps me think, okay, I can ma- I'll find a way to make it through.
1: Yeah, when without a doubt, you have to always know your value and understand your value. And I think you can still have warmth and empathy and still be serious. I love that. Okay, so how, what does that look like? <laughs> Oh, my God.
0: Like, what are some things you tell yourself before you have like a big call about negotiating your salary or before you go tell someone that they're not going
1: to get a raise? You know, I think you you stick. You just have to stick to your guns and and you have to believe you have to believe yourself. You have to believe in yourself. I'm turning 40 like I'm in my mid 40s. It took me a long time like to really, you know, I think I can look back in my 20s. I was a certain person in my 30s. I was a certain person in my 40s. I'm definitely a different person who is much more self-assured I assume I was probably, I mean, you gotta ask my mother, I guess. I'm sure I was always self-assured in my in my 30s. But you know what's interesting? I think I've watched people throughout my career who are tougher, maybe didn't have that empathetic side, maybe didn't have that warmth. And you remember how that makes you feel. But then you also, at the flip side, I've worked alongside people or worked for people who were warm and fun and didn't stand their own. And I think I learned a lot by just watching others. You can learn you, the school of life. It's so true. I mean, I remember former bosses, even when I was young, young, early 20s, and I watched how some walked all over people and then some got walked all over. Neither is right. But then you have to say, OK, how am I going to survive this world? Because in your heart, you don't want to be you don't want to be either of those people. And so the important thing is to understand your value and just stick to it. And I think the more that you develop those relationships with people and the more that you build trust, especially in the work environment, you build trust with someone, it's easier to have those conversations of, I need to be paid what I deserve or, you know, whatever that tough conversation may be. Mm -hmm. So building that trust and, and you do that with your bosses or your colleagues by doing what you're supposed to do and showing up. And sometimes that just doesn't happen, believe it or not. So you trust yourself first to then have others build trust in you. And that is the secret to confidence. Yeah, definitely. And it's helpful because
0: I'm learning to navigate a lot. I've had hires that didn't work out. I've had different contractors. I now have someone who I work with full time and it's just, and I've also had agencies and I've left agencies and I've, you know, had people come back into my life. So there are just, there's so much to it and it's, I think a lot of it is like asking yourself, how do I want to be in a work environment? And for me, like, I only know one gear. I only know, like I tell everyone I work with, I over communicate. You do never feel embarrassed or like, I'm going to be mad that you're asking me the same question six times. Like, I want you to feel like you can speak up. I want you to feel like you can ask questions. I will, I let's take all the time we need so you can feel confident because that's great. I know how bad it feels when you're told to do something and you don't understand it. And you feel fear asking for clarification. I think I had that in sports a lot. So I never want someone to feel that way
1: working with me. I think that's brilliant to set the stage. Like if you're a new employee, whether you have a new employee or you are a new employee, just to communicate how you like to work or to find out how your boss wants to hear from you. Because of course you're going to have questions. You're both going to have questions. You've never done the job before. How could you not have questions? Mm -hmm. And you should be able to feel comfortable asking those questions because at the end of the day, you need to be able to do the job the best you can. That benefits both. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's so funny because there's just no
0: guidebook. There's no handbook on like how to do all these things. It takes experiences and meeting people and learning from mentors and having conversations that fail and then conversations that succeed. And then like, you know, redirecting. What do you think are some of the most valuable lessons you've taken with you that you want to make sure other women know as they pursue you know, climbing to the very top of the ladder like you have. Oh, my God. wild! Very So I'm on the, you know, kind the of. The chief marketing officer of Rare Beauty <laughs> alongside Selena Gomez. That's the top of the ladder, Katie. Okay.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I
0: kind of hate it when people ask those questions because it's so hard, but I am curious. No, because it's a
1: really good question. I mean, there's so many things. The lessons I've learned. Well, I, I, kind of, so I kind of want to get back to what you were saying about feeling like you have to be like, I do feel like women feel like they have to play this role of being tough. I think those days are over, hopefully. Is that maybe is that like an 80s thing? No, but I 80s think movie. You, you can lead with like love and kindness. And
0: I try to, I, I try to do that. Like, it, it feels inauthentic for me to try to like, literally like be rude to someone and be mean in a work setting. That's not me. I'd just no. be like,
1: yeah. I think, okay, there's a few. One is in all situations, I try and understand where the other person is coming from. Because there will be moments when someone snaps at you. There will be moments when someone, you know, freaks out. Something, something negative, something that's not enjoyable. And I always need to take a step back and be like, okay, why did that happen? And usually it's not because of you. But so often I think we think it is because of us. And then we end up, oh, I don't like that person or that person's so frustrating. And it's not about that. It's probably because that person really cares about what they're doing and they're just stressed and they're overwhelmed and maybe something wasn't communicated or something got messed up and now they're they're feeling like they're going to have to take it personally. Or I, So I really just try to understand where everyone is coming from at any level. My team, someone else's team, because I think once you sort of try to put yourself in their shoes, it helps you either diffuse a situation, understand a situation, empathize with the situation, get excited about something. So that always helps the second thing I would say is when we sort of talked about earlier and really try to take advantage of every situation. And it's sort of someone once told me that you got to think about not only what you're giving to a company because you give so much. I mean, you give hopefully eight hours, maybe more a day and you you do your job. what are you getting? You have to give and get. What are you getting from that company? And yes, of course, a salary. But there's so much more. What are you learning? Are there new skill sets? Are you networking? Are you building new connections? Are you creating projects, things that you can put your name on, your stamp on that you can say, okay, I did this. I know how to do this. It might be a situation where you don't really like the job and you think, okay, this isn't going to be my path. But while I'm here, I'm going to take advantage of it. And I'm going to get to know these people that can maybe possibly help me in a different time. So I think really thinking about what you're giving and what you're getting in that situation. And then finally, really understand the business. Like if you, if you work whatever sort of company it is, try to understand the business, because I think that will help you in any department.
0: Yeah. If you're if you're kind of blindly taking a task list and doing it yeah. and you don't understand why this is important or yeah. how this is helping move the needle. Yeah. I mean, it's beneficial because then they can think strategically and yeah. think for themselves. Yeah. Katie, Katie Welch, thank you so much. This was so fun to just have like a little marketing mastermind business <laughs> session. I think you give back so much to the people that follow you and are curious about learning. You're always posting content online, giving advice and tips and feedback.
1: No, I'm really passionate about paying it forward. I think people don't understand all of the different career paths that are in beauty or beyond. They don't really understand how to break in. And it shouldn't be that way.
0: Okay, well, let's go
1: grab a drink. Okay, sounds good.
0: Yay. Yay. <laughs> upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day and as always, keep it real.